your Bibles, if you would, the book of John, chapter 2. Um, this morning we're going to continue our study through, the, through John, and we will, uh, uh, we'll, we'll uh, be looking at chapter 2 this morning. Uh, and, and John said in John 20, uh, verse 31, it says, But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. If Jesus is who he said he is, the Son of God, he is worthy of our faith. He is worthy of our worship, and he is worthy of our obedience. Uh, John said, I have written these things that you might know Jesus Christ. Today, as we look at John chapter 2, Jesus turned the water into wine. We're going to read this passage and deal with this passage through the scope that this is here to show us that Jesus is the Christ. This is not about wine. It's about Jesus being the Son of God. Uh, one of the ways that we know that Jesus is the Son of God is by the miracles that he performed. Can I say that if, if Jesus turned the water into wine, he is Lord over the physical creation. Uh, if, if Jesus can turn the water into wine and he is sovereign over the physical creation, then Jesus is sovereign uh, all over your life as well. Uh, let's stand together in honor of the reading of the word of God as we look to John chapter 2 and we'll begin at verse number 1. And the third day there was a ma marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not come. His mother saith unto, his, unto the servants, Whose, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two and three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And, and said, he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, they, uh, then they that, that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth uh, his glory and his disciples' believed on him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your word. We thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. And dear Lord, I pray that we will understand through this passage of Scripture the sufficiency of Jesus, dear Lord, that we, when we have Jesus, dear Lord, we have everything we need. And he is the supplier of all that we need. Uh, and we're so thankful to have him in our hearts and in our lives. And we just pray that everyone here today will, will realize that they need Jesus in their life. They, uh, they may try it and think they can do it on their own, but you, no one can make it through this life without Jesus in their life. And, and uh, Lord, we, we're so thankful for salvation you've provided for us. Uh, through Jesus Christ. We just thank you for your love and for your mercy. I pray that you will just bless this message as we move forward. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. 
Back in the 70s, uh, President Jimmy Carter warned everybody that the world's supply of oil and natural gas was running out. Now, 40 years later, there, there's more oil and natural gas being discovered than ever before. Uh, and they estimate that the supply of oil and natural gas uh, has, has increased by 40%, 40% since he made that statement. But the fact of the matter is that sometimes our resources do run low, don't they? Sometimes our money runs out before the month does. Sometimes our energy is used up before the job is done. Sometimes we just don't have enough strength to finish the task. Our resources can and, and many times do become used up. This is what we find in our text today. There's a family that we don't know their name. Uh, there's a couple that we don't know anything about. Uh, the only thing we know about this wedding is was that it was a Cana of Galilee. Uh, and one of the worst things that could happen, happened. Uh, that is that they ran out of wine and Jesus was there. Uh, you may think, well, that's not such a big deal. Uh, but in that day, hospitality had almost legal ramifications. Uh, if, if you didn't show hospitality to those you had invited to your home, it bordered on committing a crime. Uh, it, so there was this wedding ceremony, there was a celebration, and this celebration would last seven days, and the guests would come in, and, and they would be served food, and it wasn't these finger foods either, it was, you know, they had meat and vegetables and fruit, and uh, it, it, was, it was a meal, it was, it was kind of like what, what we experienced in Romania while we were there, when they have a wedding, and uh, they brought out four courses of food, and each course would be separated by about an hour, hour and a half, and, and it, would, it would be a long term, usually you, you, you didn't get the cut cake, the cake cut, until midnight, and uh, Tanya had the opportunity to make a few wedding cakes while she was over there and, and we had to establish with the bride and groom that if you want her to cut the cake you have to do it by midnight because we go home at midnight <laughs> and uh, sometimes we cut the cake and sometimes we didn't uh, but uh, you know it's a long process and, and, and anyway uh, they had this long drawn out wedding and, and, and their guests were feasting on the food that was provided uh, and, and, and so after several days they realized that they had run out of wine the family are not just embarrassed his children will have to live down the stigma all of their lives uh, do you remember uh, when we went down to your father's house and, oh yeah, he, he ran out of wine. Uh, what was he thinking? Uh, it, it's not just a poor planner. It demonstrates someone who is not responsible or, or who doesn't care. Uh, so there's an embarrassment there. Uh, there will be social consequences as a result of this oversight. But Jesus is there. I want to tell you today that when Jesus is there, Jesus is always enough. Uh, whatever's going on in your heart, your life today, whatever there is a shortage, if Jesus is there, Jesus is enough. I want us to look, uh, work our way through this passage today. And very simply, I want to give, want to give you today three things uh, from the scriptures. The first thing I want us to see is that Jesus was a human being. 
Jesus was a human being. Uh, that's just as much important as the fact that Jesus was God. You may say, well, well, what does that have to do with this passage? I, I want to take a few minutes and tell you something about our Lord. You may wonder, uh, I wonder what Jesus would do if Jesus were here today. Uh, what kind of place would he go to? Uh, would he come to a church like ours? Uh, would he run with my circle of friends? Where, where would Jesus be? Uh, John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God. Uh, and, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I'm going to show you something about Jesus. I want, I want to see uh, you to see something uh, about Jesus. Uh, I want you to see the reality of his life. Do, do you know uh, what Jesus would do? Let's look at what Jesus did. Uh, what Jesus did, he went to a wedding. He went to a wedding. Do you know what, what uh, that says about the life of our Lord? That Jesus was a real life man who lived in a real community. He had a real family. He had real friends. And in John chapter 2, uh, it says there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the disciples were there. And, the, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And Jesus was there. So Jesus is at a wedding. I want you to understand something. People are happy. People are laughing. They're dancing. They're socializing. There's joy there. They are happy. Now, there are people everywhere. And Jesus is moving through the crowd, interacting with people. Jesus was a real human being. He had relationships. He had friends. And I think sometimes we have the wrong idea about Jesus when he lived in Palestine. We think that he had this heavenly glow around him and that he was so heavenly that he had no human personality. I'm telling you today that that's not true. Jesus was there at this wedding. I also think it's interesting how that the very first public event that Jesus went to after uh, John baptized him was a wedding. Uh, the reality of Jesus' life is that he didn't stand off from humanity. Jesus didn't come on the scene to display a superiority or a higher level of spirituality. He came to live among people. Not only do I want you to see the reality of his life, but I also want you to see the reach of his life. Jesus would eventually go to the cross. Jesus would eventually go to Golgotha, to Calvary. There he would lay down his life. He would be crowned with a crown of thorns. And with the Lord's death, he would rip the veil of the temple in two and provide access to God for all of us through his death. Amen. His reach would bring us into the presence of God. But I, but I want you to, sh to show you something about the reach of his life on earth. Jesus wants us to understand a very important principle. Uh, and that is that Jesus wants to be a part of every bit of our lives. Adrian Rogers wrote a book one time and it said, Believe in miracles, but trust in Jesus. Uh, and in that book, Believe in Miracles and Trust in Jesus, Adrian Rogers made a statement. He said that this event tells me that Jesus loves ordinary people like us. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves ordinary people like us? 
because there's a bunch of us. Uh, I mean, there's a whole lot more of us than there are of the other kind. And you can decide who the other kind are. Uh, I'm just saying that this event shows that Jesus loved ordinary people. Uh, he was involved in everyday issues of life. He is the Lord uh, taking care of the refreshments at a, at a party. He is the Lord Jesus and he's taking care of the refreshments. He wants uh, to be with us on Monday morning at the workplace or school. Just as much as he wants to be with us on Sunday morning at church. The presence of Jesus at this wedding tells us that Jesus can be a part of our lives every day of the week. If, if the only time that you experience the presence of Jesus is here, you are living a powerless Christian life. You can experience Jesus everyday life. Even planning weddings. Or serving at a wedding. Jesus can be a part of every aspect of your life. But there's something else in this text. Not only was he a real man who had real relationships. He went to real events like weddings. Uh, by the way, we, we know that Jesus went to weddings. But what other events did Jesus go to? Well, he went to funerals. Uh, he wept. Um, so there's joy at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, and there was sadness at the tomb of Lazarus. But I want you to see, not only was Jesus human, uh, but without sin, but I want you to see something else, that Jesus honored his mother. You may think the initial reading of this passage that he really didn't. Uh, but, but look what the Bible says in verse 3. It says, Jesus, Jesus' mother comes to him and explains, they're out of wine. And in verse 3 it says that Mary simply stated they have no wine. And apparently this is not just uh, passing on information to Jesus, but she's expecting Jesus to do something about it. Uh, now things get a little strange here in the text. Some, some, some events happen that we don't quite understand. Events that are beyond our ability to under, uh, uh, comprehend. Uh, she said they have run out of wine expecting him to do something. And Jesus said, woman... What have I to do with thee? He was indicating that he's not going to do anything about it. Uh, and then the next thing we notice, Jesus tells the servants, boys, fill them up. Uh, fill up the water pots to the brim. Now let's work our way through this and, and, and see if we can make some sense out of this. First, first of all, notice what Jesus says to his mother. He said, uh, woman, what have I to do with thee? I want every young person here today to pay attention to this. Listen to what I'm about to tell you about how your mother should be treated. Biblically. It's not uh, what I think about it. It's what the Bible teaches. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what Jesus did. You, you can't be a Christian. You can't be Christ-like uh, and be bad to your mama. Here's what Jesus said to her. Woman, what does that have to do with me? Your mother's out, uh, for your mothers out there, you, you, may, you may look at this and say, my son had better not call me woman. <laughs> we need to understand how the word woman was used in the first century. It was a sign of respect. 
It was a sign of respect. Uh, it, it was a sign of the highest respect that a child could have for his mother. In fact, this is expression of woman would be equivalent to a southern boy saying, ma'am. Southern folks know what that is. Uh, showing respect. So when she says woman, when he says woman, he's not showing disrespect. He's showing her the opposite. He's showing tremendous respect. He's saying, ma'am, woman, does this have, what does this have to do with me? I'll just pause here for just a moment. You parents can pay me for it later. I'm telling you that if you want to be a Christian teenager, you have to honor your mother. I'm telling you that until they carry your mother to the grave, you ought to honor your mother. Take care of your mother. And show her the kindest actions always. Now I know the arguments. I know the arguments. Well, they're not worthy of this. They're not worthy of that. I've got news for you. None of us are worthy of anything. We're talking about grace, not worth. Jesus respected his mother. Jesus would die on the cross. And in his dying agony, he would say, Behold thy mother. Woman, behold thy son. So at his first miracle, he addresses his mother with respect. At his death, he would do the same thing. He would show respect to his mother. Then he said, Mine hour is not yet come. And we know the word hour is not talking about a segment of time of 60 minutes. He's not talking about 60 minutes of time. He's talking about a period of time. Uh, rather than 60 minutes of time, he said that my hour has not yet come. He's saying to his mother, I I've not come into this world to turn the water into wine. But I I've come to die on a cross to save humanity from their sins. Listen, Jesus didn't come to heal sick bodies. Though sometimes Jesus does. Jesus didn't come to turn the water into wine. But he did. He said to his mother, my hour has not yet come. I wonder if Mary, because of what the angels had said to her, that which is in you is conceived of the Holy Spirit. Mary knows who Jesus is. She knows that he is miraculously conceived. She knows that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. She knows that there is nothing stronger than the power of Christ. That he can do all things. He can change all things. She knows who he is. He is the Son of God. So he is here at the wedding. And a crisis has developed. It's an emergency situation for the family. And she tells them they've run out of wine. Why don't you do something? Mary probably thought, he's the son of God. He can do anything. So she comes to Jesus. And Jesus reminds her, that's not why I've come. Can I tell you that Jesus didn't come to change our environment? He came to change us. And it's amazing what happens that when we get changed, how what happens to our environment? 
Uh, now watch this. He said, I, I didn't come to turn the water into wine. I came to die on the cross to forgive sins. But watch this. He, he did it. Do you understand? That's not why he came. The Bible says very clearly why Jesus came. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. It says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Please understand that Jesus came into the world for you. He came to die on the cross for you. He came to bear your sin. He came uh, to pay the price for your sin. That's why Jesus came. He did that, but He also does more. Jesus didn't come to solve all of our problems, but He does very often. Jesus didn't come to heal our bodies, but He can and does many times. Jesus didn't come to bless us with a bunch of money, but He sometimes does for some people. What I see here is that Jesus does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. My hour has not yet come. This is my purpose for coming. But he meets the need anyway. I don't know how long you've been walking with the Lord. and I don't, I don't know about your story. But I can tell you this. That if you know the Lord Jesus. Here's what you know. He never let you down. He always meets every need that you have if you'll let Him. That need today may be a physical need. That need may be an emotional need. It may be a spiritual need. But if you'll look to Him, the one who turned the water into wine is the same one that can turn a bad situation into a blessing. The same one who can make the tough times a triumph. He is the one that can do anything. He can do all things. So Jesus said, my hour is not yet come. Now notice verse number 5. It says, Mary went to the servants and said, Whatsoever, or whatever Jesus says to do, do it. She gave some good advice, didn't she? Whatever he says to do, do it. Now here are the servants, and these guys... These guys, they've been working this wedding and, and, mother, and, and Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, says to them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Mary recognizes the deity of Christ. She is obviously familiar with the humanity of Christ. She gave birth to him. And now she's familiar with his deity. She says to the servants, whatever he says, do it. There's the third thing I want us to see. Jesus is human. He went went to places that we go, like weddings and funerals. He's involved in the lives of people. Jesus honors his mother. But I want you to see the third and final thing, and that's that Jesus can do what he wants to do. Only Jesus was human enough to attend a marriage, and only Jesus was deity enough to turn the water into wine. We understand the human part, don't we? We go to weddings, funerals. We go to other events. We have an environment. We have relationships. We have friends. We have family. We have all that, just like Jesus did. Uh, but that's where our similarities end. Because you know what? We can't turn the water into wine. 
But Jesus can and Jesus did. Notice what the Bible says in verse 9. When the rulers of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. Now exactly what, when and how this took place, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't, did Jesus say something? I don't know. Did he gesture his hand over the water pots? I, I don't know. It just simply says that Jesus turned the water into wine. And he said in verse number 8, draw out now and bear it to the governor of the feast. So they bring the wine to the governor and he drinks it and says, man, this is the best. Look at verse, the uh, Bible says in verse 11, the beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and, and the disciples believed on him. In the book of John, the miracles of Jesus are called signs. All through the book of John, we're going to read about these, this term signs. John does not use the word miracles like other of uh, the gospel writers do. And here is what a sign does. A, a, a sign points to something. A sign gives direction to something. The miracles that the Lord performed, the, the turning water into wine, I, I don't think it was about keeping this man from being embarrassed. It was about showing the people there that he is the Son of God. More than about us being comfortable and happy, <clears throat> Jesus is interested in us knowing him. That we have a relationship with him. It's not about saving a man from embarrassment. It's about saving a man from his sins. While it honored his mother, while it, Jesus was looking at the bigger picture. And the big picture is that these people at this wedding need to know who I am. And one of the ways that I can do it is to give them a sign. And the sign that I have turned the water into wine miraculously, powerfully, abundantly. And that I and, and will show the people that I am not an ordinary man. I am not just the son of Mary. I am the son of God. And if they believe on me, they will be saved. Their sins will be forgiven. Look what Jesus did. He did what we can't do because he's more than a man. He is the God man. The Lord Jesus Christ. So here in the first of a series of signs that we're going to see in the gospel of John. And all these signs are going to point us to the fact that Jesus was who he said he was. And if Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of God, you need to listen to him. You owe it to yourself to hear him out. And his claims are backed up by his miracles. This is no ordinary man. This is not a common man. This is a man who took on flesh like we have didn't give up his deity. This is the God-man. In closing, this story is not about, not about water and wine. It could have been water and orange juice. The point is that Jesus showed the world his deity by violating the natural laws of nature, by violating the laws of physics, that's a miracle. You, can, you can't do that, but Jesus can. The reason that Jesus can is because Jesus is the Son of God. I couldn't help but think what these men must have said. This is strange. This is strange. We've never been to a wedding like this before. 
to an event like this, usually you give your, 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 your best stuff first. But you've saved the best for last. Isn't that like Jesus? You see, Jesus is saving the best for last. We've got to go through some difficult times. We've got to experience some uncomfortable things. We have to hear some things that are not true. We have to see some things that are painful for our eyes. You have to go through situations that we would rather not. But I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. Amen. And the best that is yet to come is when we gather around the throne of the Lord Jesus. And we are in His presence for an eternity. Amen. The best is yet to come. You can experience that. You can have that. But not without the deity of Jesus. He is God. He turned the water into wine. He's human. He goes to, to weddings. He has friends. The Bible said that we have a high priest that was tempted at all points as we are yet without sin. Sometimes we say things like this. I really could use a miracle right now. Could it be that what you really need is not a miracle, but what you really need is Jesus? Listen, Jesus is better than any miracle. When you have Jesus, you have it all. That is the sufficiency of Christ. When you have Jesus, you have all that you need.